Hello, Dreamers. This is Janine. And Stephanie. And this is The Course of Course, episode 68. Welcome back, Steph. Thank you. We have some stuff to talk about, don't we? Had some conversations with uh, one of my, I guess I'll call it special relationships. Could call it holy relationship eventually. You know, a really good friend of mine that I've known for a while now. We hadn't talked for a bit and now we're talking a lot. So it's been really kind of enriching my life to have somebody you know, that I can bounce stuff off with kind of like an, an old, I shouldn't say old, kind of like an ex-boyfriend, I guess you could say. Familiar. Yeah. I mean, it's just really nice to have that connection with him, you know, and not have all the overhead of, oh, he's my boyfriend or my ex-boyfriend. It's none of that. It's just really genuinely lovely relationship with another adult who happens to be an ex-boyfriend. The good thing is he's he's super funny, so that that helps. And I've always gravitated toward men who are uh, hilarious or you know have some humor, and sometimes with men who think they're funny, but <laughs> they're not. Those are, those are always a treat. Anyway, so Steph, I know that you know we've had some adventures. I think it's been maybe three weeks since we had podcasts recently. So Steph, how are things going in nature? Interestingly, I was reading a book the other night and a mouse went running across the floor and it was right where I keep my computer so then my fear factor jumps in of oh no is he gonna chew on the cord and all of a sudden my computer won't work he went there immediately yeah and then I immediately connected with nature like the overlining Dave of the house the energies of mice particularly the ones that are living here, you know, nature, my higher self. And we did a little conference call and I now have some essences around the house to help balance things. And one thing I noticed was when I clean the cabinets and then I open them and I see poop, it just makes me so mad and irritated. And in watching my thoughts, I realized that I was kind of planting an expectation of like, oh, let's look in the thing and see if there's poop. So if I'm thinking poop, of course, there's going to be poop. So I had to really catch myself and think, let's see clean cabinets and imagine seeing them always clean when you open them. I've invited the mice to exit the the house. Um, You know, it's like I can smell that kind of urine smell where they've been bedding and nesting in different places in the house and part of me is a little afraid to move things around for fear of what I might find and have to clean up and just like I don't know that I want to see a family of mice living in the closet you know I'm not ready for that mice don't scare me really it's just it's just annoying when you clean all your you know forks and knives and then you open the cabinet the next day and there's poop all over them because then I have to clean them again so I'm just I'm just having my own little battles here that I'm trying not to have be battles, but just loving opportunities to shift my mind. You know, it's fascinating because we nobody wants rodents in the house. Right. But you are in a cabin in the woods, let's call it. And, you know, it's just nature. Right. So it's fascinating how we I shouldn't say we, how I have a very strong line between I like looking at nature. I don't really like it in my house. So I'm not really good when, I mean, I have um, Orkin, which is a 
pest control company on speed dial literally and they're here every month and they're spraying and I don't have anything in the house because I'm so oh I don't want that but like when you're out in nature like as a kid none of that would have bothered me not one thing I was always camping and running around and hiking and things like that but as an adult I'm like oh no don't get near me bug you know it's like this weird thing that happened to me where I just was not appreciating, you know, nature around me. It's an opportunity, I guess, to just keep practicing the course. I do like being outside. I just don't like some of the unfortunate aspects that I have called unfortunate. I don't like mosquitoes and things like that. But again, as a kid, I got mosquito bites all the time. I'm like, whatever. And I was running around, you know, like a feral monkey, just doing my thing. None of it bothered me. It's almost like as I've gotten older, I started identifying stuff that, you know, a lot of judgment, like, oh, I don't want that around me or whatever. I want this pristine antiseptic kind of like bubble in which I can live in. I can understand that and and appreciate it and can kind of concur with that. Like, like I like clean. I don't like living with spiders and bugs and ants and things either. But like you said, I am living in a cabin in nature, so they are going to be around. So, yeah, it, it is an adjustment. A lot of what I'm doing lately, because I've been reading so much about Jeshua, um, certainly from the giant books and stuff, I'm always asking myself, and I know this is more of a, Christian kind of thing that people do. What would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? I ask that a lot of myself. And it's like, well, what would Jesus do with bugs? He wouldn't care. But the reality is I have to remember that, you know, he did exist 2000 years ago. You know, it was a different environment and stuff. But I do ask myself that, like, would Jesus step on this roach just because it was ugly? I don't know. Maybe he would have. If it was in his bed, he probably would have tossed it like, out. I don't want this roach in my bed, you know. I'm sure he probably, I don't know if he'd kill a snake or whatever, but although that would get into biblical craziness, but he's probably like, well, this ain't good. Yeah, I kind of remember in Eat, Pray, Love when they're in India meditating and the mosquitoes were coming around and trying to, like, chill her mind so that the mosquitoes wouldn't alter her peace or loving feelings while meditating yet hearing them buzzing and feeling them biting her and that's a real tricky one that's a really good point and I think I remember the Dalai Lama or somebody was asked a question what would you do if a bug landed or mosquito or whatever landed on your arm and he would he said he would just forgive it and ask it to go away but then if it happened again he'd just smack it dead (laughs) I was like okay (laughs) sure (laughs) I mean, I will stomp on an ant when I see it running across the floor in the house. If I see Mm -hmm. a spider, I usually try and get them captured and get them outside. And even the flying things, I try and open the door and guide them towards the door. I I try, but I'm not consistent. Oh, I'm not either. And it's so funny that what we're afraid of, right? I can't say that I would enjoy snakes around me, but I did when I was in college, I worked at the Museum of Natural History and I walked around with a a snake wrapped around me, kind of like outreach, like I would go and talk to people and that snake didn't bother me at all. I was like, whatevs? Snakes really didn't have an issue, but a little tiny spider will freak me out. Like I will jump and run away and, you know, I won't get into a room if there's a spider in the corner. It's like crazy. Like where did all this crazy, you know, fear come from? Yeah. You know, the other day I was 
and Patreon watching Gary and Cindy. And Gary was not feeling well. It looked like he was carrying the weight of the world. I just had this wondering of could certain people actually be carrying the weight of the world? Like, are they an avenue for it being healed? Well, it's sort of like the story of Jeshua, and he kind of was carrying that weight, too. I mean, he was the first one that really kind of figured out how to transcend. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't say we wouldn't have kind of like that path, but he definitely made that path available to us. Yeah, I feel like there's, you know, that Jeffrey Epstein story that's in the news now about sex trafficking and Oh, yes. Kidnapping all these young girls and things like that. You know, like that kind of plays into one of my fears. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking like uh, there's so many expressions of fear. There's so many avenues for fear to show up. And really, it's just it's just that separation um, anxiety idea of forgetting who we are and just just how unlimited it is of all these avenues of how it can move through different people and the whole world and the mind. And it just seems so complicated sometimes and so overwhelming. And, and I, I feel bad for all those people, but I also feel like, you know, what in me, in my mind creates all that kind of muckety muck and, and fear in the world. And I just want to try and monitor my thoughts a little bit better. I feel like I'm, I'm in a transition again. I actually just stopped working with Reverend Maria, whom I adore. But it was uh, I was noticing I was on the computer every day for large periods of time. And I came here to have a different experience to be in nature. And it occurred to me that I've never in my whole life just not actually worked for any period of time. I've always had a full-time job, then I've done volunteer, and then I've worked on other side projects to try and get things launched. And and I just thought, like, I I got offered another job, which is another reason why I did, um, decided I just needed to have a little break before I start the new job. So I'm just starting to unwind from having to be on the computer every day. And I, I felt like I was be- being a slave to the computer, <laughs> And I was also kind of noticing that my last job, I had this tendency of kind of growing into a job and making it anything I want it to be. And maybe it's part of the people pleasing part of wanting to succeed or make a difference or maybe feel special, my ego. You know, like I I notice that when opportunities come up, I tend to fill them out to the max. And, and that it's my own fault for doing that. Like she just wanted to hire me for five hours a week. It was my choice to spend 30 hours a week and it was hard to back out of that. So, you know, I can take some responsibility for that. I'm looking forward to what is, who is Stephanie not having the job? Like, what is it like to just slow down for a little bit and go deeper within, which is my goal. I'm looking forward to the next few weeks where I can explore that. Well, kind of watching you go through this process, I am so impressed with how lovingly you were able to disengage. So sometimes we have a work situation or relationship situation where we don't quite do it very elegantly. And, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm leaving this job because I'm, I'm super unhappy and, you know, the hell with this. And I quit this job and I need to dump this guy or 
gal or whatever, you handled it so seamlessly that, you know, it really is a nice kind of like example for me to say, you know, sometimes things don't work out and it's okay. And I love that you were saying, you know, that's on me. I made this more than it it really was sort of meant to be in the beginning. You know, I can't get too mad at anyone else. You know, I do that as well. Like we all create these experiences for ourselves. And then when they don't go the way we like them to go, it's very easy to say it's the other person. It's the other situation that is wrong and bad. It's not me. So every time we go through these experiences, I think it's it's really just a, a learning opportunity that you did so well. And the fact that you're now going through this, who am I now without having this um, extraneous other thing? We tend to, unfortunately, if we're working in a career or whatever, when somebody says, what do you do? We tend to say what we do is our job as opposed to what do you do? Oh, I read a lot about spirituality. And you know what I mean? I, I am very active in my relationships and my friendships. We never say that. We always default to this other thing that we think somehow defines us. And the odd thing is it has nothing to do with us. But again, it's that illusion. Yeah, like the title. Right. Be like, right. I'm married. You know, that's who they are. Oh, like, they, yeah, I agree by saying, oh, I'm married. I have kids. I'm a mother. It's like, well, hold on. <laughs> who are you? Right. So a year ago, you might have said, oh, I'm I'm a vice president at, you know, a major film studio. And then somebody would be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. So it's like, that's not who you were. That's what you did. Yeah. But tend to blur the line. And I think as we get older, we are given these opportunities to kind of shift that. And you've shifted it and you've shifted it really well. So it's been a pleasure kind of watching you go through that. I felt like last summer I was kind of in turmoil. Like, um, you know, before I even left my film job, Maria was calling me saying, hey, I, you know, I heard your job's ending. Do you want to come work for me? So I wanted to stay in the game and I love the course and it, I was I'm still very much it's all it's everything to me. And it was just a perfect opportunity to jump in with Maria. And she just had a baby like two months before and she had some time off but needed to jump back into the game as well. So I really feel like the timing and the script obviously was perfect. But at the same time, I was also trying to, like, disengage from 23 years at a film studio. I'm trying to make sense of what that meant and the person I worked for and how they treated me when I exited and not feeling like it was fair, which is one of my life themes. Life isn't fair. Um, And I wasn't able to come to Canada then except for the week to visit my parents. But it just seemed... I I feel like I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm sad that they're sick and they can't be here, but I wasn't ready last summer for what I have. And this summer I am. And now I get to stay here for an extended period of time. And I'm, I'm trying to be grateful and like be in the moment of look at this beauty that's around me every day. Like I'm not in LA anymore with all these sirens and helicopters. Like I can see whales jumping off into the water in my front yard. Like this, this place is freaking amazing. I feel like I'm in heaven. The thing is you created it. Like you, you finally got to the place in the Stephanie lifetime where you're like, this is what I'm creating now. 
Yeah, and gardening is really important to me. So I, I spent a week volunteering at Hollyhock, which is a spiritual center here. And I learned a lot about mostly about flowers, which I don't have as much experience with. And the crew is so loving and they feed us. And it's just an amazing opportunity to meet the community on the island. Uh, we went to uh, art show last night. And this morning I went and saw the postmaster who gave me fresh eggs that I bought for $6 from her. And there's just, it's just a really cool environment. It kind of reminds me of Woodby Island, how I thought that experience would be, which I explored last summer after I left Canada, because I'm still searching for that place I can live and work. And I can't legally stay here for more than six months, so I know it won't be here, but... um. I'm also wondering, like, the house is, is kind of run down. It's a modular house that's 70 years old. Do we invest in this house? Do we, you know, with climate change, you have to build 50 feet above sea level now, and we're only 30 feet above sea level. And I don't know. I'm just thinking different thoughts and just trying to figure things out. Well, the nice thing is you are now open to all these different experiences where last year at this time or, you know, maybe two years at this time, it, it just wasn't like within your consciousness. You know what I mean? I love looking out and seeing all the trees. It's so healing to see green. Well, there's green in, in L.A. Not really. <laughs> it's immense. It is so white. When you fly into that town, it is just concrete everywhere. I actually just flew in yesterday morning and flew out last night. <laughs> One of those turn and burn to L.A.'s from Dallas. And when we were landing, it was probably around 830 in the morning. It was this thick layer of brown smog. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I looked at the weather. It said 156 index for breathing. It said unhealthy air quality for breathing today in L.A. And I was like, ugh, glad I'm not there. Yeah, and it was um, interesting because, I mean, you know what I do when I get to L.A. I have places to visit. Landed, got into the Uber, got to my destination in Culver City. And as soon as I got out of that Uber, it's just like the sounds of the city were like so loud. Just the garbage trucks and the sirens and, you know, all the traffic and the hon the horns honking. And although I get that, I mean, it's not like I live in the country where I am in Dallas, but it's it's definitely a different vibe. So being back in that L.A. kind of hubbub, it, it did kind of remind me, you know, it's great visiting, but I'm glad I don't live there primarily any longer. It was just time for me to kind of move on, you know, not that L.A. is a bad place to live. It's just, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in L.A. Certainly these days there's some earthquake activity and all that kind of stuff. I kind of fell into that fear mode because you and I were having these conversations about what's going on and the you know, potential of the economy and just politically, it's a little messy, like with the Epstein thing. So, you know, for the past couple of weeks, I've been exploring fear. What is it about these extraneous things that are going on around me that triggers me into a state of fear? And then I start going off like, oh, my gosh, you know, do I have enough water in my house? What if, you know, something really bad happens? Do I have enough cash? Where are my people going to be? You know what I mean? Like, where do you escape to? And the reality is you don't have to escape anywhere. None of this is real, but it's so completely intoxicating in the sense that you can't help but get pulled into it because 
my ego is so active. My ego is still so strong. So it's been a nice, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to like turn everything into positive. It's been a nice opportunity for me to explore what is triggering me. Yeah, you know, when I always have a backpack in the back of my car, I have one in my house, I'm always prepared. And I, I think there's nothing wrong since we live in this world of the dream where earthquakes exist and other things to, to have water and have cash and have some food. Like to me, that's the responsible thing to do. Um, that way, if an emergency happens, you know, I'm ready to go. But the thoughts that can go with it to the extreme of, you know, seeing Deutsche Bank laying off people and like the Vatican's opening tombs and aliens, uh, spaceships or the militaries recording them. And yeah, there's some there's some cosmic disclosure stuff going on out there. That's it's a little unnerving. And I ha I, I see myself kind of looking to the news to be like, see, there was an earthquake. Oh, see that bank's falling apart. Oh, look at all these people starting to get arrested around the world. Things are starting to crumble. It's like, I, I don't want to live there. So I'm, I'm going to, I've already started kind of unplugging. What would that be like? Like I've barely watched TV, which has been awesome. So it's just headline news, but those headlines are enough to like take my piece away. So I have to watch my mind. I agree. I actually get triggered a lot through my my phone. Right. So we get these, I don't know, notifications, you know, like CNN headlines or, or whatever. I, I'm on Twitter. So I see a lot of tweets that are going on and on. And those do. Uh, I find them amusing, but I also think that they trigger me. Um, but I can't help it. It for me, because I, I would say that I have an addictive personality, not in a destructive way. It's not like I do drugs and I really don't think I'm an alcoholic, but I do get addicted to certain things. And I think we all do. Right. Like we get addicted to favorite foods or people or TV shows or whatever. Um, and definitely we are now in a culture of addiction to handheld devices like our phones and things like that. So it's a matter of kind of trying to pull away from that and go, okay, although I find it amusing and I don't need to get too deep in some of this stuff, like practicing staying above it, but still existing within it because we're still in this uh, ecosystem of information and, you know, fear and all that kind of stuff. But not just fear. There's also like really lovely spiritual things, which I appreciate as well. So it's like deciding what you're going to focus on, I think, is the most important thing. Yeah, um, because I do have friends and family in L.A. And when I saw the earthquakes happening and they just had like another one, <laughs> you know, I, I do want to reach out to them. Like, I, I guess I do want some headlines. But how do you how do you read the headlines and not get um, pulled into it is a tricky one, because that's I think what the ego wants, like. If we're cause and the world is a fact, when all of us as humans are just like constantly looking for these headlines, then we're actually kind of making the effect of the news just show up the way that we all want it to show up. We want these juicy, um, horrific headlines on some level. Otherwise, yeah. the news would be different, you know? <laughs> 
but hopefully we are ascending and shifting to a more peaceful, loving time. Whatever roles we have to fulfill in that will happen. And it'll be interesting to see if I actually do move to Massachusetts. Uh, I did used to live there and someone that I lived with at the Eco Village offered me this opportunity with really good pay to come help them start a humanitarian network. And I've been asking for a while, like, what's my soul's purpose and potential? Like, you know, universe, God, guide me there. So it kind of seems like it checks all the boxes. But then there's this hesitation of, like, do I really want to move back to Massachusetts where it's cold and there's bugs? Again, lots of black flies and mosquitoes. And I don't know. I just want to be here now. Like, I'm here now. We'll see what happens. I think it's the frustrating part of being in third dimension and believing in the dream that we are in, that we have to wait um, for things to unfold in front of us, which we kind of buy into the timeline. And time is just a function of third dimension. Time doesn't exist outside of that. So that part is fascinating. But I've been dealing a lot with, you know, one fear, but the fear is more kind of like survival, I guess, you know, like, oh, an earthquake happens. How do I survive it? That kind of thing. Um, there was there are these um, I guess you call them TV personalities. Um, for those of you internationally, um, there's a gentleman called Dog, the bounty hunter and uh, his wife, Beth, uh, she recently passed away. You know, I was reading stuff about her moral service and things like that. She had cancer I believe and she was 52 when she passed and I'm starting to see people who pass away in their 50s and you know think oh my gosh those are my contemporaries what is it about passing or the idea of passing away when I already know intellectually that this is a dream anyway it doesn't really exist so having to deal with a parent, my father, who is in his 80s, and he's not very healthy, right? So dealing with watching him sort of degrade in his physical body, and go through pain and stuff, and trying to reconcile, you know, this concept of death, which I know doesn't really exist, because this is all a dream, and death really is just waking up, it's just waking up from the dream. But still, when a loved one passes away and you're still in the dream, you can't help but feel that loss. They are no longer here in this dream, which also is a little confusing to me because if it's my dream, why can't I control it? Why can't my dream also include my father being healthy and alive and my mother being healthy and alive, that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm still kind of working through the concepts. I mean, I get them on some level, but I'm still working through how it all comes together. It's been a challenge, but, you know, every day I'm trying to make a little more sense of it. And maybe the answer is stop trying to intellectualize it and just exist. Yeah. I, I think of a couple things. I think of that part in the course. I think it's in the text where they're like, do you take a skeleton and paint it with rosy lips and <laughs> put diamonds on it or something like that? Like, right. Like it really is just an illusion. On the other hand, within the context of the dream, I think we do have to be normal. Like, you know, if our parents are sick, the normal thing to do is to be concerned and to want to help and to have some feeling about that. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is just keep giving it over to to our inner kindness teacher or higher self and 
and ask for a smooth transition or a, a smooth experience or something, mm-hmm. you know, a peaceful. I feel I feel like the script because we aren't transcended, like we don't have access like Jay did yet to just that total creative space. So the world is the way it is and our bodies are the way it is because we don't have that knowledge, that depth of knowledge to to be all the worlds, you know, all the timeline and all the beings. Even though I do try to visually see myself at the end of time with Jesus on one side and the Holy Spirit on the other. And we're just looking out at all of it and that it's all kind of sucking back in like the reverse Big Bang. But while we're here, I, I feel like it is what it is. It seems real, <laughs> even though it's not real. So we just have to be normal and just keep constantly giving it over. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think I mentioned to you earlier that, you know, in my readings with uh, Tom Carpenter and Jayam, what is coming through and what I'm hearing from Jesus or Jeshua is that he wasn't perfect when he was in body either. And that actually meant so much to me because I have this idea of Jeshua as being this 100% self-actualized transcendent being um, living in an earthly existence. And what I'm kind of reading through these sources is Jeshua also had challenges with the ego. He wasn't, he wasn't perfect out of the gate. He had to work hard at it that sometimes he was frustrated that, you know, we can't expect being in third dimension to be so perfect because we still have to deal, as you were saying, with the dream of it. So that always made me feel better when I read stuff like that, that Jeshua also could be challenged in, in this lifetime, in the physical experience, because there is this deep part of me that feels like I have to be perfect and perfect in, in what other way. And it's um, so liberating to know that we can still transcend and not be perfect. So, you know, bless you, Joshua, for making that clear. Also, I feel that sense of perfection in the work environment. Um, and that's associated with fear as well. If I'm not perfect, if I'm not doing a job in the best way I can be and having people around me say, wow, that Janine, she's doing a really good job. Then I feel like I'm failing. And then I attach fear to that. Oh no, if they don't think I'm doing a really good job, then maybe they'll let me go. So it's like this bizarre stuff that I go down the dark path very quickly. And it's all, all of it, 100% it's fear-based. I'm doing the best job I possibly can. And then because I'm in a big company with this hierarchy and stuff, it's fascinating how easy having one person's opinion affect you. So I have a boss who may make a comment that isn't flattering or whatever. And I will go down a very dark path because at that moment, that person's opinion, which in my my case, in, in this particular experience was what I would say incorrect. It affected me in a way that it basically allowed my self-esteem to be kind of like negatively 
reflecting on myself. So it's like every day it's kind of peeling back that onion. Okay, what's going on here? Why am I afraid of someone's opinion of me when they don't really exist in the bigger picture? Like you were saying, we have to be normal. We're in the third dimension. We're in these these ego bodies, right? Um, we have to figure out how to exist within them, but also, at least on our spiritual path, kind of recognize what's going on. I have this person who says one thing that I misinterpret into believing that it's me not being very good. Therefore, I go down the road of, oh, my gosh, they're going to realize that I'm not good. They're going to um, fire me. They're going to bring somebody else on. What am I going to do if I'm fired? You know what I mean? That whole yeah of of crazy right so one of the thing one of the many things the course has provided to me is basically some skills in understanding of saying okay well this isn't real so let's figure out how to arrest that kind of thought pattern but i was saying to you the other day that i have to be extremely diligent all the time because when I'm not diligent about it, I go down that path and then I have to pull myself back. That's why the course is mind training mm-hmm. and it's called practicing true forgiveness. I mean, it, it really is a practice moment to moment. Yeah. And just uh, recognizing it's not forgiving the other. It's forgiving me because I was having this conversation with Todd and he was talking about you know, having his own feelings of lack of self-esteem and all that kind of stuff. He went through a period of not working and he just recently got a job. So he's like, yay, you know, everything's great, which is fantastic. I'm very happy for him. But he went through a lot of that depression and things that people who, you know, have these life changes could be divorce or whatever, that you go through these dark periods and trying to like bring yourself back and realizing it wasn't the people who let you go originally, it wasn't them. You can't, you have to be very careful not to kind of like fire your, your cannons at the other and say, it's their fault. I can't believe they're evil and that kind of stuff. It's really like you created that situation for a reason. So how can, how are you doing this to help yourself? It's a very hard conversation to have with somebody who isn't necessarily kind of like involved in the course because it can on the surface sound a little cold. So it's like finding the words and finding the compassion wrapped around it when you discuss it with somebody. But understand, like you have to remember how it's going to land with them. You've been really good at kind of like teaching me that concept of land an idea or something you say landing with somebody you have to understand that although I may be speaking my truth it might not land with somebody in the same loving way because you know you have to meet people where they're at it's been really great talking to my friend Todd and kind of watching him go through some of this stuff and practicing my ability to communicate what I think can help him, but understand I can't just come out with like course concepts with somebody who doesn't understand what the course is. Yeah. It makes me think of just like uh, waving a magic wand and just having it all heal, be healed, Mm -hmm. disappear, be fine. So every day, you know, we've said this before every day, it's a kind of a learning experience for ourselves. Yes. Um, What also what's coming up for me is like that holy instant. Like there was that one moment that we wanted to play and wonder what it would be like. And we turned away. But within that 
second of the second, it was already corrected, even though it seems like universes and billions of years and billions of bodies to just get it down to me right now. If I'm upset, it's never for the reason I think. And I can just stop, look and listen for a moment and like, what's going on? And even if I don't have the answer, like I don't always have to have it figured out because that's a mental exercise, but feel it, heal it, just give it over and just keep giving it over and just keep giving it over and just keep giving it over. It really, it really is a practice. It's a mind training. It totally is. And one of the things I went through last week with my boss, he had um, said something in an open bridge, a bridge just meaning a bunch of people on a conference call, essentially. And he was probably having a bad day. And, you know, now that I realize it wasn't toward me, I just interpreted it that way. He had made a couple comments and it spun me. I went into a spin cycle. And before I had my next meeting with him, I was getting a lot of anxiety. And I was trying to figure out why am I anxious? What is going on? And, you know, I had put so much pressure on myself and believing that his opinion of me was more important than my opinion of me, that I was allowing myself to go down a path that was really destructive. I talked to you about it and you gave me some really good tips on, you know, just letting it go and, you know, just being grateful of the experience. And I kind of took those in and now this conversation with him, my meeting with him, and literally what I believed the week prior was not even factual. He could not have been nicer or kinder. And that was all me for probably five days creating drama that just didn't exist. And, you know, once I was really present to it, when I was talking to him, it's like, just give it over. I'm really grateful to have a job. And I'm really grateful to be given the opportunity to do this job and be on the phone with him. It's like once I got my right mind, everything just fell away. It just fell away. So it's kind of like, all right, now that I know how to do this, sometimes we just have to have our tools. We we have to have the tools in the toolbox to be able to like address it and deal with it and let it go. Now that I have those, I'm hoping that, you know, as I move forward in time, whether it's with him as my boss or or somebody else or whatever outside of work. Just remembering to always, always default to thinking the best of someone and not the worst, because I went into that cycle of, oh, you know, he doesn't understand. He's not very smart. You know, you know, all that stuff that our egos do to make us more important than we are and other people less important than we are. So now it's kind of like, okay, I'm seeing this in practice. Hopefully, if it happens again in whatever way it presents itself, I can remember that. And I have to keep writing myself notes. I'm not going to lie. Remember, next time this happens, this is what, you know what I mean? This is what you can do. I just have to keep doing it. That's part of the practice, really, over and over again. Understanding, all right, now now that I've slayed the imaginary dragon, when the imaginary dragon shows up again, then I can be like, oh, yeah, okay, hey, how you doing? Here's what we're going to do. I feel like the ego is so tricky. It will find any back door into our mind to take our peace away. That's its job. Well, you know, I've nurtured my ego for many, many years. So why wouldn't it have some strength to it? Right. Because I was putting into practice that. So now I'm like saying, OK, let me focus on this other skill now. It, it might take me a while, but, you know, the more we practice, the more we succeed. Noticing when our peace is gone. 
I think is very helpful. I'm grateful to have a little time and space now in my dream to really kind of dive more into that. How amazing that you have kind of created for yourself this time in your life where you can sit back and and think and kind of just experience life where many of us don't create that for ourselves and we just stay on the roller coaster that is life. Yeah, my tendency of being on the hamster wheel with a job that keeps my mind because I was always concerned, like, oh, we got to get this e-blast out and we've got to send a note to this group of people that we recently were with. And, oh, we're looking to get booked over here. Like there's just it's just like a hamster wheel. It's constantly going. So to take myself out of that environment to where now I don't have any job in a way to to come in like wow what's this gonna be like I have no idea and and I know I'm gonna have to get a a job at some point because I'm gonna have to pay bills to exist in this crazy world Mm -hmm. but luckily I have enough money that I can you know live for another year if I had to but um and I'll always do something but I just I just want to have a little space and peace and just just see what blossoms from there thanks again for being there and allowing us to kind of work through our own journey with you peace to our minds let all my thoughts be still because when it's still it's going to be over thanks again everyone it's been a pleasure looking forward to coming back to you in a few weeks bye everyone